0: I've been so deep in the Wow Kool Aid of recent <laughs> that when Ala Philippe attacked, I totally forgot that I love Julian Ala Philippe and I was like, No And then I was like, wait a second, what am I saying? He'll be amazing.
1: So good evening and welcome to the 106th episode of the yay yeah, Ride Podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie. Hey Bodie. This is the T-Bone. And this is Tom Gibbons. Well, Tom, Tom, we got a we got a, we actually got a viewer email two weeks ago saying that you need a nickname if you're gonna be on this <laughs> podcast. Ugros. And we were, we were gonna be like I think Townsend suggested Taco Vandergiven.
2: But, taco Vander Gibbon—that was a combo of me, okay. me, and Matt came up with Taco Vander Gibbon. But very you, Belgian, very Belgian name. Yeah, Relevant. right. You have yeah. Taco Vander Horn,
1: right? And you have a taco tattoo, right, Tom? Maybe we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> um, but there were some really good names thrown out on an Instagram post of yours. Someone called you Yukon Cornelius, and I really, I really like that. You got the big bushy beard going. Um I don't know, towns we can, maybe we gotta workshop that. Yukon Cornelius I like we got to figure out Yukon Gibbons um Gibbons Cornelius. I don't know. We we should we should let we should Vander ruminate. <laughs> Wait, say it again. Vander Cornelius. Vander Cornelius. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's kinda um, wordy. Yeah, it is a little wordy. So we'll ruminate on that one um but we're gonna we're gonna get you a nickname soon um guys it's good to chat i feel like i wasn't able to talk bikes for a full week and honestly it was kind of fun it was a nice little break i didn't get to talk all last of the tour uh or road rules with you guys really because i was on a I was on a little bit of a trip um i went i hate to say discover i hate the word discover because obviously if you go ride a gravel road somewhere that you've never been on before, but there's it's a gravel road, obviously you didn't discover it. Um, someone laid that road out. But I kind of discovered this new state. It's like the Alternative Kansas. It's the R-Kansas. Um, and it's got amazing riding, uh, some great gravel roads, just great windy elevation, punchy hills. So, guys, the next big thing in cycling I think is going to be this R-Kansas. I got it. Yeah.
2: I'm with you there. Uh,
0: <laughs> so wait, if it's the alternative to the alternative, then isn't our Kansas already mainstream? Then that just brings back.
1: It's the alternative. Wait, what well, Kansas is not alternative. Well, it's that was sort of the whole alternative scene, right? Right. Kansas, okay.
0: And now you're the alternative to the alternative. So aren't you just like mainstream now?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I this think is maybe... fake news cycling. I think maybe Walmart already discovered uh, Arkansas. Um, Emily and I didn't spend much time in Bentonville. We, uh, we rented an RV, and we tried, we tried to make this trip very, like, pandemic-friendly, where we just kept to ourselves. And so we had a moving house, um, and that was pretty cool. But we got to Bentonville, and we ended up staying... We had stayed at a state park beforehand, which is beautiful, and then we get to bentonville and we're in this rv park where it's just a bunch of rvs like stacked in each other and we pull up and i go to like hook up all the like sewer and electric and stuff and there's this woman sitting in a lawn chair like looking like five feet away from me like eating boiled peanuts and drinking a high life and i'm just like i'm about to plug my sewer thing in here like i know you're eating i can wait and i was like this is not this is not my bike vacation. I don't want to do this. So we we left the next day and went to Devil's Den. Um but yeah, that was that was quite a trip. But I didn't I have like much internet.
0: I feel like you're about to get a bunch of hate mail hate mail from Arkansas. <laughs>
1: no, Arkansas was great. I Arkansas was amazing. I just didn't want to stay at an RV park like that. I was much preferred the the um yeah. the the state forests in Arkansas they're amazing. It's like amazing what happens. Oh, also Bentonville, the cycling infrastructure in Bentonville is like wow. What happens when you actually invest money, uh, in in, in these public utilities? Um, and the state parks are beautiful and clean. And we rode into Devil's Den Park. There's this crazy like twisty road, uh, these switchbacks. Beautiful stuff. And I re- I rewrote it and I looked on my Strava and it's the time trial for Joe Martin Stage Race so that was pretty cool, oh uh, yeah um, so now cool. I I have a better idea if they ever do that race again what the uh, surrounding area is like.
2: So I rode bikes with your girlfriend this weekend for a while, Bodie, and she was telling me about this RV parking lot that you guys stayed in, and while she described it as you do, she did mention that. It was essentially the parking lot for some pretty sweet trails, and yes, that there indeed. was lots of lots of awesome riding off of this parking lot. So that sounds good, at least.
1: Yeah, no, that was the whole reason we went there. A had suggested it, but it was raining, and we don't have mountain bikes, and so it just we're like, let's just go back out to nature. Um, plus, we they uh, they're doing construction on the freeway. So the, there's a bike path from this RV park straight into downtown Bentonville, but we had to find this detour, um, which took us on a, another awesome climb that I'm sure is some, like, part of some, like, weekday group ride. Um, but it was just a little bit, didn't, didn't quite work out. And like I said, the, the, trying to be not so close to other
2: people was the goal of this trip, so getting back to the state park um, was nice. So did you get a chance? You said you didn't have much internet. Um, I guess that was more of a more of a midweek trip you got did you were you able to watch the end of the Tour de France we watched the end of the Tour de France on
1: Saturday at the RV pickup spot in Baton Rouge okay which was a whole whole experience in itself and uh, (laughs) maybe not a conversation for this podcast but yeah so uh, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to chat with you guys about some of these things uh, that we kind of like didn't quite get to wrap up the tour. Uh, we didn't quite get to wrap up the Giro Rosa, and then we had this weekend of worlds.
2: So let's. Well, so it's it's ladies first on our agenda today, and yeah. I think we should honor that and uh, and talk about the Giro Rosa first, which ended last weekend. So we're 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 ducking back a week. Um, Obviously, folks that are listening to this will know that we had Road Worlds this past weekend, and we are going to get to that, but we'll take it chronologically and talk about the Giro Rosa first, and uh, I don't know. Do you want to start off with that one, Bodie? Yeah, no, I just thought, you know, the reason I kind of wanted to come back to it, because we
1: had almost a similar situation play out in the tour, where we had, you know, Anna Van Vluten won stage two with a huge gap, and the GC was pretty much locked up
2: for the next five days. You had about a two minute lead on everybody else coming into the Safe penultimate seven. stage of the race. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then she breaks, she crashes and breaks her uh, wrist and is out of the race. And then all of a sudden the, the rest of the contenders are only within like 20 seconds. So it kind of just blew open the race again, which is unfortunate to see uh AVV go down like that, but exciting for the other racers and the other fans. And so you had a, uh, Kind of an interesting finish with that race, um, won by her countryman, fellow countryman uh, Anna Vanderbragen. So I don't know if I have any. Yeah, I mean an, an
2: unfortunate an unfortunate way to to lose the race, um, and and as you correctly point out, in the lead, quite a bit different than the way uh, Roglic ended up losing the Tour. He obviously lost it on the mm-hmm. road. Um, and Van Vleuten lost it in an unfortunate crash that also took out her teammate Amanda Spratt and Marianne Voss went down although Marianne Voss was able to stay in the race and uh, ended up winning the uh, the green jersey the sprint jersey I guess it's not a green jersey in the Giro Rosa but it's the points jersey whatever whatever color it is i'd color escapes me right now. Maybe purple.
1: I don't know. I got a question. Yeah.
0: Uh, so I'm struggling with this right now. Uh, Anna Van Der wins, you know, three, what would be career defining races if she weren't already Anna Van Der Bregen, right? She wins three career defining races on the heels of somebody else's injury. So on the one hand, had those people not crashed, Almost definitely, she doesn't win any of them. Uh, Van Vluten was still second with a broken wrist. That's pretty impressive. We're talking um, about
2: in, in, in the UCI uh, Worlds this Worlds, past weekend.
0: So the Worlds Road Race, Worlds TT, and the Giro Rosa. She would have lost all three of those, most likely. So physically, her level wasn't there, but part of racing is crashing, right? So if you can avoid those crashes, then does that then make you deserving of the win? And I don't have an answer here. I'm struggling with this mentally myself. Like, okay, yeah, she definitely would have gotten her ass kicked, but she didn't crash. So,
2: well, you know, you Tom. I, well, let me answer. Let me let me let me answer sort of the premise of your question before I actually answer the question because I don't necessarily know. Uh, clearly, she would likely not have won the Giro Rosa had Anemie Van Vluten not crashed out. So, I, I'll give you that. I think the lead was solid enough. Um, But I don't know for certain that she wouldn't have still won Worlds. Uh, Obviously, Annemiek Van Vluten would have been stronger uh, had she not broken her wrist a week earlier. And and wow, you know, not to digress into a a tangent, but what a performance with a week-old broken wrist to, to not only finish second, but to finish second out sprinting a class sprinter. Uh, when you're not necessarily renowned for being a sprinter, and also, she set up uh, Anna Vanderbruggen's win in Worlds with with her own uh, with her own uh, attack. But anyway, we're we're, we're breaking into uh, World coverage a little bit here now. But so I don't know. I, a I think it's still a quality win, even if you win at the expense of someone crashing out. Um, that that's just racing but also i i'm not so sure that again as i say that she, that she wouldn't have have won the double in in worlds uh even if Anamique Van Vluten had been and had been uh completely healthy yeah i think Bodhi? that
1: i i think that hard yeah definitely hard to ignore the fact that enemy was not there in the gira rosa um but like you said, that's part of the game, and, and the, you know it's also like if you win a race and you were like, well, this person wasn't there. It's like, well, you can only race the people who show up. So if they don't show up, you know that's 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 on them, right? And you're still the winner. You put in the effort, and I think you know Anna Vanderbreggen obviously is one of the elite of the elite in the women's peloton. So it's, I'm sure in her and probably there's probably part of her who's like, yeah, I wanted to compete against Anna Meek and try and beat her um but you know that's that's the way the cookie crumbled and it's interesting too though because in the time trial we if we move to the women's uh world's time trial we had as kind of a similar situation where you know at midway point chloe dargar is like what 40 seconds at the time split like ahead i think yeah, it was just a crazy time. I mean, she, she is the returning champion. Ty, Dygart, as we know, was a phenomenal athlete. Uh, hadn't raced at all. That was her first race since Worlds last year where she won the well, – I guess she did the, the, did the road race. But she crashes out pretty incredibly, and that leaves the door open for Anna Vanderbregen to win again, win the yeah. time trial. And it's a bummer because, so this is the part that I'm struggling
0: with most is that if your competitor goes down by some fault of their own, well then like that's their problem. But with Chloe's crash, a hundred people out of a hundred would have gone over that barrier in that situation. She was in the TT bars, got a front flat mid turn, probably going 60 Ks an hour, just unsavable. And so if you're Anna der Bregen do you feel a little bit empty in winning a world championship? You per- like I'm asking you personally, would you feel a bit empty?
1: I don't think I would. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know what she would, would feel. But I think, once again, it's, it's all these races are about all those elements. And I don't know that Chloe got a flat. I she think did. It was,
0: Watch your front wheel.
2: No, it goes, I
1: think it's it speed wobbles. But Jim Miller said that no mechanical issue was her going just too hot into that turn. Really? That's 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 what his coach said. So I'm gonna go with that. I know it does look like something happened, but they um so I think that's the thing. If you if you are taking that risk and you know high risk, high reward yeah. and it goes wrong for you, then Anna Vandenbregen, you know, takes the corner a little bit slower or whatever, whatever she's doing. Then it's, yeah. then it's it's her it's her win and, and kudos to her and, and not like we wouldn't say kudos to her anyway i just yeah it's an interesting point though tom i think i think the most competitive people want to race the best athletes out there right you want all that you want to always be against the best people because that makes you feel that sharpens your game and that just makes everything that much more
2: challenging but uh townsend and Tom, I apologize. I, I, I now realize I slightly misunderstood your point. You were you were making a reference to the fact that Anna van der Breggen won the, the world's TT race because Chloe Dygert crashed out, not because um, Anna Meek van Vluten had a broken wrist.
0: Well, both of them, right? All three. Yeah. So directly the Giro Rosa, directly the TT, and then you know indirectly the road race.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the results from last year in the TT, it was Dygert vanderbregen and van vluten so you know like if so if digart doesn't finish last year's vanderbregen would have beat beats van vluten and, and wins so yeah i don't know it's uh it's it's interesting um well she still beat
2: everybody else she did no yeah, like yeah it's true let's, let's just so. be
1: clear we're not taking anything away from anna vanderbregen she is a phenomenal athlete and I guess I didn't realize that she hadn't won the world's TT. So she'd like finally get to add that to her palmarès. and apparently she's racing one more year and then is is gonna retire and go into, you know, directing so I guess she was pretty stoked to, to kind of cross that off the list. Um, and I think one of the, the main stories of, of the weekend was the amazing helicopter shot that really came to the fore during her time trial in which, you know, it's it's you've probably seen it if you're a cycling fan, but basically what it is is that Anna Vanderbragon is on a ridge, so behind her is a lot of deep space and there's nothing in front of her. And then you've got this helicopter that's tracking with her. So you've got this amazing sort of background depth out of focus. And it's just it's the coolest shot ever. It's 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 a it's, it's like a, she's
2: riding on the backbone of the world or something.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's an awesome shot and, and, and she was really the first I feel like the first time that, that, that view came up. So, uh, pretty phenomenal. Um, love to see artistry like that in the, in the videography. Like obviously me, someone like me, I'm like stoked to see it. Um, you know, know, race promoters need to have more races on exposed ridges like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, before we started recording Townsend asked, uh, what the local scene or the national scene could do better for coverage. And I think that shot in particular puts into perspective how skilled the, the videographers are at that top level. Like that's a, I think we sort of take it for granted of just like, Oh yeah, helicopter shot just sort of point and shoot. But like they were probably out there weeks in advance, scouting that and like figuring out how to do it. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. They whip that to that, that whole world's thing in like, three weeks
1: well that's true right but like how (laughs) low must the helicopter have been to get that shot i don't know that's a good question and it's you know obviously it's the the yeah you've got the helicopter pilot and you've got the camera person so they've got to be on like the same team and like they probably work together and he's on a long lens so he's zoomed in like this is pretty i mean to be a helicopter videographer guy like camera guy it's got to be like a highly skilled position it's super because you know because you're moved like you're, you have a very long lens because you're really far away, so you've got to zoom really far, and when you're zoomed in that far, any slight movement means you move your picture really far. So it's like a lot of, I don't know, that's, that's pretty cool, and uh, I don't know, I don't think we can quite make that, we can bring that to the USA crits yeah um, so USA yeah.
2: crits like more exposed ridges and heli shots <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, but right. we,
1: we had some ideas about what we could do to improve it so yeah I mean just to just to briefly give I was reading a cycling tips article uh, by Jose Bean and she was just talking about how the fact that they made worlds happen in like three weeks um, in Italy because they were you know trying to find a location and uh, this is what and they pulled it off
2: yeah it pulled it off I mean, pulled it off. Kudos to those guys. I don't know what you guys thought, but maybe we can move to the women's road race now. Um, and, yeah, let's do it. And talk about that, that road race course. I thought it was just a fantastic, fantastic circuit. Had a little bit of everything, had that, you know, the cool, they like literally ride around the uh, the Ferrari Formula One track. Then they go out into the countryside, they do all these sweet rollers on these freshly paved, narrow roads, um, had, you know, just the right amount of like punchy climbs and killer fast, twisty descents, and then a couple longer, steeper climbs where the selections were really made, you know, especially on those last couple laps. I thought the parkour was fantastic and really just led to some fire, fire racing. Yeah.
1: No, I, 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 I like a, a circuit is like, that is fun for, it's really, I mean, it's great for, well, I would say it's great for the spectators, but I guess, I guess there were spectators there, uh, during these COVID times, uh, it's been a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it's interesting too, that, that course and, and, you know, we'll get into the men's race, but like there and like, you know, Matthew Vanderpoel wasn't going to ride that course. He saw the profile and he's like, "I, I can't ride it, but it. You know, you look at the front of the groups, it's it's you know, it's kind of a classic-y Milan-San Remo leg type finish
2: with Wait, Wow well, He was saying that the course didn't suit him, so he wasn't going to ride it? Yeah. Like it was too what? Too climby? Too climby. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Which is interesting. Well, Wout Wout begged to differ.
1: Well, <laughs> well, we saw Wout that okay. he's a climber, right? He finished yeah. third in a mountain stage in Tour de France. So oh, he's I mean, also
2: a sprinter and a time trialist. Yeah, I mean um, he's
1: kind of everything. So wow, we we could have a whole segment on on wow. But let's let's I mean, I don't know if there's any let's wrap up the women's road race. So Vander Braggen, you know, as you said Tom earlier, is or Townsend gets set up by Anna Meek Van Vluten, and she attacks and, and then she's gone and that's it. And yeah, she it, was, she it was
2: a classic it was a classic one two. You know, they're obviously they're countrymen, country mates, so that makes makes them teammates in this race. They're not trade teammates, obviously, but um, they're both riding for the Netherlands, uh, and uh, and yeah, they just you c- could have seen it coming from a mile off, and I'm sure everybody like knew exactly what was happening. Um, you know, Van Vluten goes off the front, broken wrist and all, and and gets a big gap on uh, one of the sort of longer, punchier climbs forces, uh, elite kind of chase group behind to, uh, to chase on. And they were, I mean, that was, that was a pretty hard chase. That was, uh, you know, Cecile, uh, Ludwig, uh, who else was in there? Um, anyway, it, I it's have not, forgotten. Not, all, not, yeah. Yeah. Not worth going through the whole list of how it all, how it all went. But, you know, the one person that really wasn't having to do any work there was, uh, Anna Vanderbregen and it was just a classic, you know, catch and attack. And she was, like you say, I mean, they, 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 the group couldn't have caught her at a worst possible time, uh, for their own sake because they, 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 they caught her right on a little punchy climb. And, and that's where Vanderbregen just rode away. What was it? I mean, it was a long way from the finish. Huh? It was like 40K or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then just put her time trial skills to, uh, to work and um, and that was it nobody could catch her great race for second place well yeah uh, i wanted you... to
1: sort of talk about that because that was we had elisa longo borghini who was you know had won a stage of the giro rosa one you know was in the pink in that race the first race first stage because their team won the team time trial uh she's italian you know wants to do well on her home country and, you know, when Vandabragan got away, it, it kind of seemed that Longo Bergini was the one to take second. Uh, but she didn't. Uh, Anna McVan Bluton out her, and there's a little bit of, like, rubbing going on uh, towards the end. Uh, Tom, what did you think about that? Does it remind you of anything? I mean, it, it reminds me of, like, every sprint
0: these days. A little last-second Bobble elbow your little Sagan- in, encounter into the barrier. Sagan, Wout, runaway and Jakobsen. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I
1: and mean, just, there was this,
0: the same move as runaway and Jakobsen just, you know, 30 Ks an hour slower.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were not going uphill or
0: not happens, going downhill. Yeah. And the track's sticky and there's just two of them. There's no lead out. So yeah, the speed's just way lower, but happens all the time. Uh, I can't believe nobody's talking about that. Like, Holy shit. Because both of them had to stop pedaling at one point because of the contact.
1: And, and, I mean... Was she hitting... Was was she contact with Annemiek's uh, broken wrist, or was it the other side? I couldn't... Uh, I, I think it was, like, her hip. Okay. Yeah, like it I was... I she was she, mostly by... But it,
2: it was the side that of the, the broken wrist, I think. Yeah. But I'll tell you, one, one of the reasons, I think, Tom, uh, to, that, that not a lot of people are talking about is because I, w- I think you would say obviously that it was uh uh borghini that that initiated that contact and you know Anna Meek ended up winning that two-up sprint in the end anyway and so there wasn't really a whole lot to protest it hadn't you know maybe maybe if she doesn't finish second and 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 yeah. gets third and feels like she got third because she was interfered with you'd he- be hearing more about it but also to their credit no whiners you know there was no no whining about that. It was it was always always so, fair. It seemed like
0: I've got mixed feelings about that because yeah, it's great. No whiners. Everybody's tough and stuff. But I feel like you have to complain when things don't go wrong because if you don't, then nothing changes, and then something catastrophic happens.
2: Right. Like, well, well Tom, like did you, you did you think that was an every time. Did you think that was an unfair move? I mean, was yeah, that unsportsmanlike?
0: Absolutely. For sure. Okay. Yeah, she was pissed off because Van Vluten had just been getting a free ride because of the yep. situation, and then she's going to get, you know, beaten the sprint to the line, so she tries to shut the door on her. She shuts it way too much, actually makes a little bit of contact. Yeah. I don't know what Van Vluten was doing going on the inside to the barriers because she could have, like, Longo Borgini, could have shut that door way in advance before –
2: well, right, because she had that door shut. When she opened up her sprint, yeah. she was hugging the barriers on that side specifically for that purpose, but it's almost like she drifted a little bit unconsciously yeah. uh, and, and maybe she wasn't thinking about it, and yeah. she sort of left the door open just a little bit and then, like you say, kind of got pissed and tried to close it at the last minute.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, just tired, made a mistake. Yeah, and not she's not a sprinter.
2: She's usually winning by time-trialing... Yeah. K okay out. Right. So, but but you know, to Tom's point, you know, Borghini had been on the front for pretty much all of those forty Ks because there was a, a there was a period of time at least where the chase was on in earnest, and and she was thinking that maybe the race win was still um, a possibility, and uh, and so she probably burned a lot of matches trying to to chase uh, Vanderbregen and and sprinter or not, just didn't have anything in the, in the final there. Yeah. But anyway, at, and then who, who finishes in fourth place, but Marianne Voss, you know, right. so we got uh, Dutch one, two and four. So how maybe, good maybe Voss finished women. Fifth.
0: No, she was four. It was one, two, four. Yeah. How yeah. good are the Dutch women and what was the top place Dutch man? Anybody in the top 10?
1: Uh, Mark.
2: Oh, Hershey's Swiss. Uh,
1: I think Dumoulin
0: was like twelfth or something.
2: Yeah, I think Dumoulin was the highest. Uh, the highest placed, but, I mean, Dutch rider.
1: The Dutch men are 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 pretty good as well. Uh, let's yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But it's just funny that like the Dutch women are just like so far and
1: away, like class of the class of the class. One, two, four is insane. Tom Dumoulin, fourteenth, is it, is a. It- top dutch men which is which is surprising um not but, great you, yeah
2: vanderpoel vanderpoel should erase that race i think he yeah would have that's well. yeah mm-hmm. so i mean he knows but let's well let's just wait move before on. before we leave before we leave the women yeah i promised you guys i promised you guys a hot take about women cycling um uh, before this podcast okay yeah dutch women dutch women one two four and or vanderbregen Annemiek van Vleuten, Marianne Voss. I am saying, I'm proposing this as a possibility, that not only are those, you know, three Dutch women that are the quality, the class of the current women's peloton, but I would almost go so far out on a limb to say that those three Dutch women, are, are, are possibly three of the best women's bicycle racers by by their Palmaris. Certainly, Marianne Voss has to be in anybody's conversation of, you know, best women cyclist ever. Yeah. Hard to argue that as dominant as Annemiek Van Vluten's been in so many... Races over the last number of years that she's not in that conversation. And Anna Van Der Bregen, you know, Tom, maybe maybe this year she benefited by some injuries. But I mean, she's got two world championships now. She's got stage races. She's uh, an Olympic champion. Um, not only are the Dutch women awesome. How did her thr-
0: How did her Olympic gold medal come?
2: Crash wait but
0: i'm shrugging right now
2: did yes. she win
1: her gold medal when van vluten crashed yes yep. she be okay because was mara Abbott was uh got second because Mar... no mara Abek got fourth that's right she was mara Abbott was got caught at the line i okay. think
2: anna vanderbregen made a deal with the devil man yeah i was gonna say maybe she's <laughs> a witch Whoa! Anyway, whoa. that's my hot take. That those are those are three of the the greatest women's cyclists ever, and they're all racing right now for the for same sure. country. I think yeah. we're
0: seeing a gross elevation of the women's peloton through those three riders, and they're just running away with things, sort of like you imagined. Eddie Merckx ran away with things, and it's going to take a few years for the rest of the women's peloton to catch up. Uh, and when it does, it'll you know that'll be great for the sport and all, but it's much more exciting right now when they can just like <laughs> do whatever they want. That's always fun to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, as an American Homer, it's hard to see Dagart crash. Uh,
2: yeah, she for did. sure.
1: Just how strong she has been. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I mean, they're yeah. Marianne Voss has done everything and won everything. And, 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 enemy Van Vluten's on podium percentage is a ridiculous uh, number This past year. And yeah, like I said, it's yeah, it's interesting to think about Vanderbregen and uh, the way she has benefited from Van Vluten's misfortunes. But right. All right. So let's let's move on. We're going to maybe punt the tour, but let's let's go to the men's uh, TT in road race. Um, So let's let's obviously kick off and the way it happened was the men's TT. I mean, I was all in for Wow winning this bad boy i mean wow got what fourth in the last stage tour tt which is a climbing tt um but wow didn't win Filippo Ghana. uh track Flipo racer win. Win. Um, gonna win Filippo O'Gana win win. and i also didn't realize that he he rides for Ineos. um we can we can maybe talk a little bit about let's let, let's take a brief segue talk about Ineos. So Tom Pidcock is going to Ineos next year. Danny Martinez, um, who won the Dauphiné after Roslik pulled out um, from EF, is going. Who else do they pick up? I don't know, but it, I guess once again, the, you know, they got Carapaz this year. It seems Yates. that Yates is going there. Um,
2: Man, they're oh, just basically just like a full
1: port. Port is going yeah. going back. So, oh my god. I was saying in the What's chat What's that
2: going to look like in the mountains?
1: Jeez. I was uh, I was saying in the chat that this is sort of this this year has been their re, quote-unquote rebuilding year um, as they sort of shuffle some deck. You know, you are seeing a bit of like kind of the old guard move out of Sky. I mean, you look at guys like Standard and Rowe and just, you know, it was interesting. I say that, but then they do have some old guard coming back in obviously in the supporting position, but they're going to have Bernal. They're going to have Pidcock. They've got Carapaz. I mean, kind of ridiculous still, um, kind of unfair. Uh, I, I, I liked Martinez at EF. I liked them having, you know, a fairly good GC rider, but obviously uh, Ineos has that blood money, uh, oil money, and they can uh, they can pay for him. So any, any other thoughts on Ineos, Grenadiers? I'm kind of bummed that
0: Tom Pickcock's going there. I think he's sort of, you know, prodigious talent, really raw, attacky, sort of in that Vanderpool, Van Art class. And it, I feel like anytime you go to Ineos, you're sort of guaranteed your own brand of success, uh, but you don't get let off the chains. Like yeah. Kwi- Kwi- Kwiatkowski and Karapaz uh, got let off the chains when Bernal pulled out, right? And that was awesome. But that right. was the first time we'd seen that in eight years. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's kind of a bummer to have a prodigious talent like Pidcock sort of sign sign up to get chained.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Well, yeah, we'll be curious to see what his program looks like and, you know, what he does as a racer. I mean, he did the Elite Men's Road Race this year. Um, you know, is he going to do cross still? I know that he's not joining uh, Ineos thanks to our crack researcher and British Expat Matt until March, so he's gonna do cross, I guess, under his own program, the TP Racing or Infinity Racing or something like that. So, yeah, it'll be curious to see what he does and if he if he's, I mean, is he gonna? Are they gonna mold him into a GC rider or is he gonna I hope just not?
2: Yeah, oh, I feel it's like, such
0: a bummer when they do that.
2: Yeah, it seems yeah like wh- it's like I just wish Enios <laughs> would do something other. Than like be a grand tour team. I mean, I don't know. It just, it's very postal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh.
0: I mean, right. Like it sucks to have all that talent and then like only sort of like 80% support guys in the classics because it's
1: some of the best racing of the year. Right. So, I mean, what do you guys, like, what do you guys think about uh quick Koski or Kawasaki as we like to call them on this podcast, Kawasaki. you know, he wins him and carapaz get away and he helps carapaz sort of secure the, or get the, get the KOM Jersey for that for a while. Um, and he he wins the stage. Um, you know, he's one of those riders who's an amazing talent, but has settled into Ineos or sky as a domestique for large portions of the season. Um, but you know, it seems like he, he, he obviously is getting good money, but he seems to also
2: like it. Um, and you you sometimes well, he's think- the, he yeah i think he's the one exception to the sort of enios like vanilla rule right i mean he's yeah. he's a guy that's you know he won a world championship he won milan sanremo he he is kind of like you know he's got a little bit of panache as a as a as a bike racer um and you know even when he's working as a super domestique you know he's kind of He's kind of noticeable, and um, you know he's a he's a guy that's got a little charisma and a little bit of a, you know he he definitely Tom to your point is is on a leash, uh, and you can see what happens when like you say when he's let off of it. But you know he's the one guy that's actually had some you know success in in one day races while at Enios. But maybe I didn't listen to the end of your question, Bodie.
1: Uh, I guess I guess just sort of ruminating about. His position there and, and just the fact that you know it seems like I guess he also he kind of is the one guy who breaks that rule of if you leave quick step you don't have a you don't have much success I mean he's he's done well but like also his success comes from being a teammate like he is he seems to be okay with not always being about him or his victories not being individual but being more team based so so yeah he won the world championships with quick step
0: right well with Paul or, yeah he was w- when he was on quick step. yeah yeah uh but it seems like being that you know bury yourself guy in the team sky mountains train has done more for his brand than his world championship or strata bianchi or anything like when I think of Kwiatkowski I think of you know him just going cross-eyed up a climb swinging off and then just coming to a dead stop and then sort of like down the line from that, I think of E3, World Championships, Strata Bianchi, Milan, San Remo. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like his brand is that selfless, ride-until-I-die sort of guy.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I think that, um, yeah, no, I, I agree.
2: Yeah, that's all I got I got anything else. He also <laughs> won Amstel Gold in 2015. I guess I forgot about that. Yeah. He's, yeah, a, very, yeah. he's a
0: very good bike racer. <laughs>
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, when he... Anyway. Uh, when he won Milan San Remo in 17 when he was at Sky. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So, let the men's TT. Um, what else happened to the men's TT that's worth talking about? Well,
2: I mean, Wout almost won the damn thing. And, you know, if you had said that he was going to beat, you know, Rohan Dennis and Garrett Thomas and uh, Victor Campernats and, you know, all of these people that he, that he beat... Um, and then you know that he was going to get beat by Filippo Ganna. Um, I mean, kudos to Ghana. He wrote a he wrote a solid, solid TT. Uh, but um, it was I thought it was I thought it was exciting. I mean, it was you know some of the kind of you know cool time checks. Wow, is an interesting time trialist too because he always seems to save something for the uh, always seems to save something for the for that second half of the uh or the final of the of the of the tt um, doesn't always have super great splits but always ends up having this like monster time um,
0: did you guys uh, look at the profile and the wind of the course no so it was pretty much an out and back they had a headwind on the way out and it was like sort of generally trending uphill but not like climbing and then the way back was generally trending downhill and it was a tailwind and Ghana averaged 53 Ks an hour. Can you imagine how fast he was going from the turnaround? Mm. I want to see that split.
1: It was probably like 60 Ks an hour or something. How many miles per hour is that? 37. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) It has to be insane, right? That is that. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. So
0: 60 is 37, 53 would be 33 miles an hour. Which is That's, still frigging insane
1: i can't for for 35 minutes to go 33 yeah. miles per hour Oh uh, god yeah i'll
0: so, tell you what if anybody wants to crack at the hour record they better do it before Felipe gana gets to it yeah because he he's gonna go 57 k's an hour something stupid wow. i mean what was he's just four flat for the 4k i
1: don't know on the track
0: yeah, yeah on the track yeah so Four flat for the 4K, and now he's developed into a longer range TT guy. He's gonna go faster than any of those crazy positions did in the early 90s. It's hmm. gonna be wild. I'm excited. All right, also, cool. also I don't like
1: it, but <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> Something to look forward to. So let's yeah. let's get to probably the most recent race in his mind was the the men's road race. Um, I mean. We have, I think, a pretty. I, I think Mads was a great world. I'm sorry, it's not Mads. It's Mass. 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 You don't pronounce the D. Really? Mas Peterson. Yeah, you don't. Um, huh. Was a great world champion. I think everybody. He was kind of the people's champ. People people liked him, you know? Did a lot of work for his team in the tour. Um, showed well uh, at the, on the Champ de He got second place. Um, but. Julian Al Philippe wins the world championships. I think he's a great he's a great wearer of the rainbow jersey, and I'm excited to see him. I guess Wednesday in Flesh Own. Yeah. It's gonna be a quick turnaround, right? Yeah. Uh, I've been so deep
0: in the wout Kool-Aid. Of recent, that when Philippe attacked, I totally forgot that I love Julian Philippe and I was like, "No!" And then I was like, "Wait a second, what am I saying? He'll be amazing!" Like,
1: yeah, I mean, no, I mean, Wow for Worlds, like, uh, it was it was breaking down so good for Wow, and you know, yeah, I think what so he he attacked is the last lap. Um and a bunch of attacks started going on the hills, and Wout was right there. He was in the mix every time, and Julian just he timed it perfectly. I mean, like he, he go ahead. Yeah, I, it just like he went and like no one could follow. Like Wout could not respond at that moment. And go back and watch
0: like the three minutes before Julian attacked, and Wout is just like stone cold. No emotion, no breathing through his mouth. And Julian is just pulling faces like Thomas Volkler. He's dying a million deaths. He's all over the bike. I was thinking, oh, Juju's on the way out. He's about to get dropped. Oh, well. Wout's looking good, though. And then when Julian hit him, nobody could respond. No, everybody, like, I don't know if Julian was faking or if that's just who he is as a person, but he looks so bad before he attacked. He's so French he's so french.
1: <laughs> he is. It's awesome. I mean, it's great to see. And yeah, wow. Man, I mean, I think I think that yeah, I think maybe he he was just had done too much work and you know, you know, it was interesting to see the french go to the front at like 50k to go and just yeah. drill it and you're like okay, like this is kind of far out, but I mean, like they did a little bit of work and then but like Julian was at the back and um and then Pogachar attacked and i was like wow like can pogachar win worlds and win the tour in the same year and you know we kind of thought there for a moment like they weren't gaining on him in the flats so we thought like he was going to do it
2: um but we'll, it's well, like well and and honestly it might have been pogachar's attack and the the belgians response to pogachar's attack that ended up costing wout worlds because you know he put in some pretty big efforts to uh, chase down pogachar whereas ala Philippe and uh, any of the other french riders that that were left the italians all of them they were leaving it up to the belgians entirely it was almost as if you know the belgians said okay well this is this is wout's way, race to win and you know we're going to be fairly much exclusively responsible for chasing down Pogachar. and it wasn't just Van Avermaet and whoever the other couple Belgians were, because they had a number of guys still at the front of that race working, but Wout was, was, was also having to contribute and put in some pretty big efforts there. If I'm not mistaken, I may be remembering some of that wrong, but Wout I, I, but was certainly, you know, far more active in that chase than Philippe was, and uh, you know, smart racing by Philippe. You know, let let Wout and the Belgians, you know, chase this guy down, and and you know, and then I'm going to go when they're tired, and it's kind of kind of the way it worked out. So let's let's set it up. So
1: Philippe attacks, a select group forms, which is it's got Wout, Mark Hershey, uh, Kawasaki, Foolsang, and Roglic. That's that's the group that is, is chasing him down, and and Julian's sitting around what. You know anywhere from nine to like 16 seconds and it's just going back and forth and you you do see when Wout goes to the front the gap does come down but like looking at that group and sort of the thing that i've seen played out on twitter afterwards and i guess this is it's some of the belgian people they're they're saying that rojelic should have helped Wout more try to close that gap um to al philippe and and they're they're really they're really shitting on rojelic which Seems somewhat unfair, but also seems it it does seem reasonable that Roselic would maybe help. Um, what do you, you guys see, think Wild, about
0: this? Wout addressed it.
1: Did he? He came I'm, to, to Roselic's defense. Yeah, I yeah. imagine
0: he would. He Wout um, was basically just like, look, after seven hours, it's not a matter of wanting to help; it's being able to help. And like, right. he he didn't have anything to give. No, none of us had anything to give, but he really didn't have anything to give. And, you know, that was evidenced by Roglic, Rosalik's buddy, uh, finishing a distant sixth. Like, he was not involved in the sprint. If he had gotten involved in the sprint, then I think the Belgians would have every right to invade Slovenia. But, (laughs) But, like, he just didn't have anything to give.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, totally. And also, like, he just finished the tour and, like, you know, there's a lot of pressure beyond the physical that is on, on you when you're wearing the yellow jersey for that long. So even though Wout was his domestique and helping him out, like I, I can imagine he's pretty exhausted. Um, yeah, you know, that situation, it's like, so no one wants to really work together because they don't want to, because essentially they don't wanna wow. they want to tow Wout. They don't want to close the door on Al Fleet because they think Wout's going to win the sprint. So then they sort of gamble on hoping someone else does it, which means that they look at each other. I mean, it's a classic situation. And then Alaphilippe, smartly as he played it, gets away, which he did. I mean,
2: yeah, is, the, is, the other thing the other thing about Alaphilippe and the, 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 the timing of his attack and where where he attacked on the course um, and one of the reasons I think that these guys had difficulty, even if they had wanted to work together to try to chase him down or been a bit more organized, Philippe attacked, and then there was that, like, long, twisty, just, like, descent after. And it, it wasn't like a mountain-type descent. It was all probably a negative 1% to 3% grade sort of attack. But perfect for Alaphilippe because he was just ripping it down that by himself. And honestly, like you know it's almost easier to be by yourself on terrain like that than it is to be trying to descend and slam down through that with five guys trying to hold wheels like it was per, a perfect situation for Ala Philippe exactly what he does best and you know it, it was it, it just he 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 rode he you know he rode to that gap uh in a, in a really um in a really crafty way i think
1: yeah agree yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't... Go ahead, Tom. Do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, Just... Racing is so different after 250 Ks.
0: You know, yeah. you, you see an eight-second gap, one versus five, and you're like, no chance. But after 250 Ks, it's just like, eight seconds might as well be a minute. And yeah, you get those conflicting, you know, I don't want to call them politics or whatever, but like in that chase group behind where nobody wants to work. And it's just... As a spectator watching it, you're just like, wow, just jump across the gap. It's eight right. seconds. It's not that far. Like, right. just That's... go. But it's just not like that. And I think if you've ever ridden 250 Ks, I think you can sort of understand how deep you could be after racing 250 Ks, you know? Yeah. Or even if you've ridden 200 or 180, whatever your limit is, like, add an extra hour on top of your limit. And that's what these guys are trying to have to do: explosive efforts on top of. And I, I think it's just really kind of hard to comprehend unless you've done it.
2: Yeah. So Ala Philippe crosses the line twenty-four seconds ahead of the chase group. After, after all of that, um, Wout, who's put in most of the work uh, on the front chasing, comes into the to the final K on the front. Uh, he's given up on on chasing Alaphilippe down at that point in time, but he's sort of on the front almost by kind of default because he's Wout and he's just, you know, they, they put him out there and he stays out there and he opens up the sprint from the front, uh, the bunch sprint, small bunch, but bunch sprint from the front and uh, and nobody can come around him. He just, uh, he outsprints uh, everyone. The closest was uh, Mark Hershey who finished third, uh, but it, it wasn't really close. Uh, and then Kwiatkowski, Fookelsang, Roglic round out the, the 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 top 6 from that from that Chase group. Guys, I think that this Road Worlds um, the podium of this Road Worlds is is for 2020 is a, is an accurate and perfect representation, maybe in the maybe in the right order, although you might swap Wout and Alaphilippe as as 1 2 uh, <laughs> of the of the top 3 hottest uh cyclists right now uh and 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 just the race the way the race panned out the the three best guys uh, three best bike racers right now i think uh filled that filled the podium i mean is this like
1: is this more proof that the road season is too long and that that like the tour and maybe road rules, road worlds should be closer i mean i, I don't know i mean it, it's interesting to see the the form that people brought into this to this race because of this odd calendar we have. And now we're going to the Giro on Saturday and we're going to more classics, but I don't know. It was, it was interesting. Like you said, Mark Hershey was, was what he won the most combative for the tour. Uh, Al Philippe is obviously won a stage and wore the yellow and Wout won two stages and was on the podium angle podium, like 17 times. So you're right. Like it, I don't know. I don't know if that's more exciting or like that's, we want to see more of that, but, uh, it was sort of a continuation
2: of, of the Tour de France. Um, I mean, look if 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 this year if there's an amazing Giro, and then the classics are just you know as slamming as um, as worlds, and and there's just all this great racing, then yeah, I mean, I think like at least a subtle rethink of how things go might be might be worth it. I mean. You know, somebody should pay attention. I, mean, I guess whatever. You're not gonna move you're not gonna move uh Perry Roubaix and and uh Ronde to the fall, moving. right? I mean those are yeah. gonna be the spring classics are gonna be in the spring. Yeah. But
0: and the tour is uh, gonna be in July and worlds are gonna be at the end of the season. There there's no chance you can get anybody to move a date.
1: None right. of the
0: none of the monuments are grand tours. Yeah. Which is like,
1: fine because it's like move, those are those don't need to move. Nestle. I mean, I, World seems a little late. You I think? think? Yeah. I mean, when would you have it? August, right after the tour. I mean, li- I mean, okay. So I understand the Volta happens, um, and you've got some fall classics, but you can have the fall classics after Worlds and after. Like, I I think that the the, the tour is the peak of the road season for most people um it is the biggest thing on the calendar it it blots out the sun like everything is for the tour so it is sort of a peak it's i guess the season is a mountain and it's the top right and and having road world sort of at the end it's it i don't know it could be bigger i feel like if it was closer to tour. you like put it, worlds
0: what do you put worlds between the cobbled classics and the Ardennes classics i'm into so that too both both of those two types of riders converging on their form one's at the tail end one's at the Ooh. beginning and you know that might be interesting. Yeah, and, I mean, then, and then that person gets to wear the jersey basically for their that
2: year, the year that they want it. Exactly, I like that. So or, put wrote, You're saying yeah, move it into the spring, move it, make it earlier. What yeah. about what about if we have worlds in Australia
1: at the Tour Down Under? Oh my God, January first worlds. Yeah, <laughs> you get the jersey for
0: one calendar year starting on January one. So,
1: yeah, I think that's fun. Let's do it. I like your idea though, Tom, between the two the the Ardennes and the Cobbles. I, I love that. That's a great idea. Um, UCI, listen up. So <laughs> so I I did a little research on some trivia and I just want to share it with you guys. Um, like I said, when I saw Pog attack and I thought, shit, can Pog, you know, win. Is this world- a quiz? Is this a quiz? Not, uh, I don't think it's a quiz because I feel like I've given the answer in the chat. So Okay. We could do it as a quiz. Let's let's do it as a quiz. All right. So Pog attacking and, and you know he didn't need to win but like if he would have won worlds who was the last rider male rider to win the tour de france and uh road rules in the same year
0: greg lamond
1: right exactly uh do you know who won it before greg lamond roche yep roche and do you know who won it before roche Merck's. yes yeah and that, that's that's the only
2: I'm three freaking good at this game <laughs> We chatted about it in the chat group. I
1: don't think Townsend was there. Don't tell but... them that.
2: Wait, <laughs> are you say you're saying LeMond won worlds the same year he won the tour? Yeah, yeah. in '89, because he also won the tour as the reigning world champion one year. That right. must have been so. Because he won. That's right. He won the tour two years in a row.
1: Yeah, and then oh. he won. So Stephen Roche won in '87 tour worlds double and then eddie merckx won it in 74 tour world double then i was like okay well on the women's side we don't there was a tour de france but it, the sort of we, we wanted it to be some this you know the same race style i would say the giro rosa so when's the last time a woman has won the giro rosa and road worlds oh well, that was this year as anna vander <laughs> Vanderbreggen,
0: but only because van
1: vluten crashed and When's when's the last time someone did it before that? Well, it was last year. It was Meek Van Vluten. So uh, <laughs> don't have to go too far for the women's. But I thought that was a fun little stat. And, uh, you know, it's in, obviously those riders who could win both, we don't really see a lot of that anymore. So, um, yeah, Lemon being the last one to do it. Yeah.
2: And then Wild, of course, is going to be the next.
0: Yeah, Wild, obviously, next year.
1: I mean, he yeah, like he he posted a photo of his his two silver medals at Worlds. I mean, oh, yeah, doubled up on twos. He's Sagana. No, Wout is Wout is don't, the don't, People's Champ. Don't <laughs> don't bring Wout to that level. Someone else said that that Wout's gonna be the new Sagan. No one's gonna <laughs> want to bring him to the line. And I'm like, just wait um, till Vanderpool and Wout line up together in a road yeah. race. If-
0: Throw Remco in there if they ever collide, and <laughs> Pidcock he'll be on a leash. But like... they'll just
1: yeah, they'll they'll, they'll 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 all aggressively go out guns a blazing. Um, but you know, speaking of our favorite guy, to kind of not treat very well, uh, Sagan <laughs> didn't line up at Road Worlds.
2: Surprising, is it? Now, I, now I can <laughs> see Sagan saying, "I'm not going to ride because that's not my kind of course," but it is. Well, I mean, right? it's very but, hilly, but, but, but no alpine inclines. It, it's not yeah. altitude. But, I mean, if MD, if MVDP is saying it's not my kind of course and I'm not going to, you know, if you if you had to look at those two guys, you'd say it's certainly more Matthew Vanderpool's kind of course than Peter Sagan. But, I, I mean, I, I didn't Sagan
1: say... go to the line with Alaphilippe and Kawasaki at Milan San Remo? Like, those those are the guys that he, he races in. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's doing the Giro. He's going to miss out on the Classics. I'm telling y'all, he's not winning a race this year, and he's he's quitting. Like he's not so, going to race
2: in 2021. Yeah, I, agree. I think Sagan's going to win a stage in the Giro, just because you said that. I'm gonna, I'll pick, <laughs> yeah, I'll pick probably. him to win. I'll pick him to win a stage in the Giro.
0: What a weird calendar he's running. He's doing, he's doubling up on Grand Tours like that, and just blowing off the classics. This does feel like a farewell
1: tour. It does. Yeah, it feels feels like yeah i mean also he was gonna do the giro before the pandemic shifted things around but i guess he's never done it he's never done the giro so i could you know towns i could see him winning the stage of the giro i don't know who's going i'll have to look at um what sprinters are going to be there is gaviria going what the hell happened to gaviria guys covid what do you mean he's won like five races this year sorry sorry not gaviria <laughs> not gaviria uh Vegan. no viviani he suspended Oh, uh, he, left,
0: he left quick step he was never that good
1: <laughs> oh man
0: no he was on sky he won like three races he went to quick step he won 18 then he left sky and he's won none he's a product of a system he's a very sly and very quick racer but without the lead out to deliver him in the best position he's not for talent he's not Kittle talent he's not Van
1: art talent no one is a Van Aeren talent. No one's Van except for Vanderpool. Except for Vanderpool, yeah. So, well, guys, we are just about in an hour, and I, I like keeping them under an hour, so I don't know if you have any other any other thoughts you want to you wanna get out there about... Uh... I have one quick question. What was up with Roglic's uh, TT helmet in the Stage 19
2: or Stage 20 time trial? Yeah, I don't know. That was weird. <laughs> Apparently something was up with it. Um was it worth two minutes? Was <laughs> and, it a two-minute mistake? Know, and, and, and he wasn't blaming you know the, the 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 two minutes on on the helmet, but um, yeah. The, apparently that was a, a new helmet that he had been wearing, uh, and uh, and it was it was not functioning as designed. So it was not just like you know he was so shattered and smashed, you know, that he showed up all you know dusted and screwed up looking because he was blown apparently that helmet was uh, ill-fitting or malfunctioning in some way and um, but but probably more just looking ridiculous than actually owing to some major major time loss although it couldn't have helped so
0: a lot of times with TT helmets, guys will purposefully tip them back on their head to make it blend into their back better to create a better aero profile, oh. which would explain why it was so far back on his head like that and kind of wonky. Yeah. And so I assume he had the visor on when he was on the TT bike, so it probably looked less ridiculous. But then when, yeah. he, when he took the visor off for the climb, then it just sort of exposed how right. like, the guys <laughs> don't really wear the
2: helmet on their head. And also when he took the visor off it it not only not only was it like already in kind of a weird looking spot, but then it kinda tipped it sideways a little bit too. So yeah. it was like way up on his head and then kinda tipped off to the side. He did uh, look as, very fretish as well. Yeah.
1: Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, primo's the Fred. Oh man. Fred looks... I gotta I gotta say, just I, I feel for Primo's, you know. Yeah, me too. I feel for him. I mean that so... shot that shot of dumalin and uh wow watching like the uh, clock as primos is rolling up and you're just like oh shit that was brutal i, mean, I feel
0: i feel for him because he lost the tour and got banned from belgium in one week
1: <laughs> what's well, in belgium anyway he doesn't want to go he could ski jump over the entire <laughs> yeah, country yeah, ex-
0: exactly <laughs> he he does have no reason to ever go to belgium
1: but well, guys, all right, let's let's get out of here. That was a fun episode. Uh, glad to chat with you guys again after my trip to the alternative Kansas uh, Townsend.
2: All right, well, this is the T Bone saying. It's been a pleasure to do this podcast with Simon Geska and Michael Bodegheimer, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you all next week.
0: Yeah,
2: and uh, this is. Yukon Vander Cornelius
0: signing off.
1: (laughs) And this is the Bodie Bodie saying, I like my new podcast host, Simon Gesh Gibbons. Um, (laughs) If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send us an email at yayuride at gmail.com. And you know what? You can go onto iTunes and rate this podcast. You can also review it. We're we're still kicking. This is a 106 episode. This is the over three years we've been doing this. Um, people are there, wonder.
2: Be, people are beginning yeah. to wonder why, why.
1: Why exactly we're still doing this? <laughs> Thanks to all of our like a hundred consistent listeners, you guys are awesome. Like, let us yeah, know. They love who, us. Who's listening? We want to know.
2: Let us yeah. know. Are you? Send me an email. So Slide solid, my, solid group of people that are solid, listening to this. Yeah, podcast.
1: So, consistent at least. So drop in my, uh, drop us a uh, DM on yeah right, at gmail dot com. And uh, yeah, good night.
2: Second, guys, I got to say hello to my nephew.
1: Okay, remember you asked for Uncle T? Hey, there
0: he buddy. is. <laughs>